to the Calvary Chapel Naples weekly sermon podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Yeah, it's so nice to be here again. We were here um, pretty much two years ago to the date. So it's so good to be here again and see how the church is growing and some new faces and also some familiar faces. So it's wonderful. Thank you for what you're doing here in Naples. We're so happy to be with you today. My name is Angela. This is my husband, Matt. These are our daughters, Alexis and Mariah. Alexis is 13 and Mariah is 11. And we have been in Africa for 19 years um, serving God's purpose. And it's an honor. It's not always easy, but (laughs) God has been gracious to us, and he is so faithful, and so we just want to share a little bit about that today, and just thank you guys for partnering with us, because we would not be able to do that without you behind us. Um, You know, I shared in the first service that we are the goers, and you guys are the senders, so thank you for your prayers and your financial support, and um, just working together with us. So we are in the capital city called Kampala, which is in Uganda, which is in East Africa, the eastern part of the country. And um, in our capital, we have like, I don't know, three and a half million people or something. It's a very big city. And um, Uganda is the second, has the youngest second popu, sorry, I'm going to say it, is the second youngest nation in the world. So we have 72% of the age um, is under the age of 30, 72% of the nation. So very, very young nation and lots of young people, just due to war, poverty, AIDS, those kinds of things, and big families. So the average family there is like eight kids to, you know, one mom. So (laughs) that's a lot. Um, And so, yes, God has really put it on our hearts to raise up the next generation of leaders. So that's what we've been doing through discipleship and leadership development. And so we have um, four different programs that we um, implement to help um, focus on these areas. And so one of those areas is our campus ministry. So every Friday night we have fellowships where university students gather together and they have a service, kind of like one like this today. And it is led by Ugandans, which is awesome. It's been young people that have come up and been trained through the ministry and discipled, and now they're leading these groups. And, um, and then through that, we also have discipleship classes and programs that happen to make sure that they're not only saved, but they're true disciples of Christ. Um, and then we also have a leadership academy, which is a nine-month program where a lot of these students, if they want to grow deeper in the Lord and just more in their walk and develop their leadership, then we have this program for them. So they come, and part of that is every month they have to do outreach into the community. That's a big part of what we do is training them to go back and impact the community. And so it's been really awesome to see them using the skills they get from the classes and going and doing community outreach and reaching out to kids in the slums and different activities like that. Um, Then we also have a high school outreach program. So my husband and I wrote a curriculum called Walk Pure that we wrote, I don't know, many years ago, probably 19 years ago, and um, that the Lord really put on our heart. And that was really because there's such a problem with AIDS. And um, 
So God just was like, go to these students and share with them the message of purity and God's plan for marriage. And, um, and so we do that and also deals with just life skills and peer pressure and all those kinds of things. And so we are ministering in many different schools, Catholic, Muslim, private, public, some Christian, not Christian. God has really given us an open door and we've reached more than 10,000 students through this program. So thank you for your prayers and your support. You are a part of that. And then we also have what we call our ongoing mentorship. So all of these students throughout the years that have been part of the program, that have come through the Leadership Academy or our discipleship, we stay connected with them and just continue to help support them and what God has called them to do, um, starting businesses, starting hospitals, starting schools. Um, and we just stay connected. And we have um, alumni events throughout the year to just give them, to impart into them and continue to develop them and their spiritual and their leadership walk. And um, I think that's about it. So I just want to thank you guys and just let you know that you're doing a great work in Uganda. And together, we're raising up the next generation of leaders. And we've got a short video for you. How do you bring change to a nation that has the youngest population in the world, where millions are in poverty and disease? Shouldn't there be a way forward to help change this? Now, by teaching people that through the grace of God, their lives can change. These young adults need to hear that God heals, restores, and provides. By providing young people with spiritual guidance, we are setting a platform for God's plan upon their lives. The problems that plague most of the youth we are dealing with are fatherlessness and motherlessness because of disease and poverty. In a land of unfathered youth, we are raising up the next generation of leaders to take Africa into a new era. It is our goal to reach out to the young people of Uganda. We meet them right where they are, at their homes, schools, campuses, and universities. It's amazing to see how their talents, passions, and relationships continue to be strengthened as they act on God's Word, knowing that through trials, God will always be the constant in their lives. Imagine the impact that a generation of Christian leaders can make in this nation. For a first step to a better nation starts with raising up godly leaders that have the desire to serve their families, schools, and communities by doing the work of the ministry. So we invite you to partner with us and support the great future that God has for Uganda. Why don't you put your hands together for uh, all the things that you're doing all the way in Kampala, Uganda. And this church is not only touching Florida, but you're touching nations as you partner together with us. And uh, not only are you touching Uganda, but uh, we do a camp every year. 
uh, with university students, with over 250 students that come from 20 different nations. Uh, you're touching Kenya, touching Mozambique, Zambia, uh, by your faithful giving and support. So we want to thank you guys for partnering together with us to Reaching Africa. And I just want to thank Pastor Jeff and Pastor Aaron for allowing us to be here today to share with you guys. Amen? You guys say amens around here, right? That's cool. Uh, as my wife said, my name is Matt, and uh, me and my wife have been in Africa for 19 years now, and um, the Lord has put it on our heart to raise up the next generation of leaders. That's what God has mandated us to do. I graduated from Bible school and worked at a church up in Michigan for a few years, and then the Lord started to deal with us about going to the nations. And what I want to share with you today is about how to step out, stepping out when things don't make sense. Tell your neighbor when things don't make sense. You know, Jesus did a lot of things in the Bible that didn't make sense. You know, he was sleeping in a boat when there was a storm going on. You guys saw probably the worst storm out of everyone in the nation, but he was sleeping during that storm. You know, Paul got bit by a snake and the natives are watching for him to die. He shook it off. It doesn't make sense. Jesus spits down in the, in the, in the ground and puts it on the eyes of a man who gets healed. If things don't make sense that God has asked us to do many times. You know, but I love about this generation is that we are a fearless generation. And God has called many of us to be fearless and to step out when things don't make sense. I was watching on YouTube, there's these guides called the Yes Theory. And what they do is they, uh, they sit at the airport and they'll wait for someone to go and to switch their ticket and like fly all the way to Maui or to skydive with. And they'll just pick up people at the airport and then they'll film the whole thing. Or they'll take the DoorDash guy uh, to Mexico on the fly. And and this generation is a fearless generation. But you know, there was someone in the Bible that was fearless that stepped out when things didn't make sense. His name is called Abraham, and Abraham is the first missionary, and we're going to be talking about him today. If you're over your Bibles with me, you can open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8, as we get started today. I want you to bow your heads as you're looking for that passage. Uh, we'll just pray real quick, and then we'll get started today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, that I have some things that I wrote down. But ultimately, Lord, the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us, that you would use me today, Father, Lord, to speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Tell your neighbor, he did not know where he was going. So God, here is God who speaks to a man. He speaks to Abram to go to a place that he did not know. Abraham is living with his family, he's living with his maids, he's living with all his servants, and the Lord tells him to begin to pick up your stuff, begin to pick up your belongings, and to go to the unknown place. I wonder what God is speaking to you today about, or what is that next thing that maybe God is sharing with you that you need to step in to the unknown? You see, the unknown is unfamiliar, not identified. It's a place to step out of our comfort zone. You know, when Abram was living in this area with his family, he was in a very comfortable zone. 
And all of us live in a very comfortable place in America. But God is asking maybe some of us to step out of that comfort zone and take that step in our life. You may, many people have to see and to know that they have to have all the answers before they step out. But that's not the Bible kind of faith. God chose us to go to all the way to Africa. He's called us to go to Kampala. And maybe he's not called you to go to the nations, but maybe he has called you to step out in this community in a new or different or fresh way. By trusting, Abraham obeyed after being called to go to a place which God would give to him as a possession. Indeed, he went out without knowing where he was going. You know, many of us have to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Let's try that. Amen? Amen. If we're walking by our, our, our physical senses and, and we have to see and we have to feel and we have to know that everything is taken care of, that takes no faith for us to step out. But God is looking for people that will rise up and that will go do what he's called us to do. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, 30, it says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the walls and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. So God is looking for someone so he doesn't have to destroy this area, but it says, I found no one. One of the saddest scriptures of all scriptures where God is looking for someone to fulfill the call to reach out, to step out to the unknown for his people so he doesn't have to destroy it. You see, God is not going to just always do what he's going to do to be sovereign, that we have a part as believers to play in this call. The Bible says to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. God has mandated his people to step out when he speaks to us. See, not everything that happens, happens is just God. We have to appropriate our faith. Even as you're born again and even as you accept Jesus in your heart, you have to walk down that aisle. You have to say the sinner's prayer. You have to believe that he's the son of God. We have a step that we must take. Hebrews 11, 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed even though he did not know where he was going. You see, Abraham is the first ever called missionary in the Bible that we can see. And God speaks to Abraham and says, Listen, leave your country and go to the unknown place. We can see more details of this in Genesis 12, 1. You can turn there in your Bible. Says the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Everyone say, Through you. See, God wants to bless people. Through us. It says that he's called out or he was a sent one. Maybe for you it might be stepping into a new ministry. Maybe for you it might be starting a small cell group. Maybe for you it might be opening your home to the community. Maybe for you it's stepping out to do, do the next outreach that's happening. Maybe it's the Mexico trip that is coming up. What is it that God is asking you to start or to step up into? 
Romans 10, 14, it tells us, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Verse 15 says, and how can they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are those who bring good news unless they are sent. Where is God sending you today? What is God requiring of you? What has he been speaking to you about doing? You know, the first thing that he shares with Abraham, he says, to get out of your country. What things that you need to get out of so that you can get into in your life? You know, many times we're bound by the things and we're bound by stuff. We're bound by the proud of life or the things that are great in America. But what is God asking you to get out of so you can get into? You know, God did not call us to comfort. He called us to obedience. God did not call us to comfort. Africa is a third world nation. Amen? And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back in any way, but sometimes we don't have power or running water. The roads are huge potholes in it. And there's things that God requires of us. He requires of us to put down so that we can get into what God has called us to do. To get up as from a sitting position, to arise, to awaken, to put down and to move forward, to ascend into what God has called us to do. God is asking his people to move forward. He's asking his people, what will you lay down to go into what I've called you to do? Not for yourself, but so that you can bless people through you. Is God against nice things and living a comfortable life? Not at all. He, he, he delights that his children are prosperous, but he's also demanding of us to require us to step in to what he's called us to fulfill, to reach souls. My first point for you today is that we must have faith that obeys. When stepping out, when things don't make sense, we must have faith when things don't obey. Abraham still didn't know where he was going. He still didn't know where he was going. He was just told to go. You know, many times all we have is a word that God has spoken to us. You know, I remember Angela's mom and dad were living up in Michigan, and her mom just kept on packing boxes of, of stuff. And I said, Maggie, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just packing. That's the only direction I have. Well, where are you going? I don't know where I'm going, but I'm packing by faith. Everyone say by faith. You see, Abraham didn't know, but he had a word. It doesn't tell him where to go. It just told him to go. Sometimes all we have is a word. God always does the right thing, even when it seems absurd and doesn't make sense. For us, I did not even know where Kampala, Uganda was on the map. I went to Bible school. I thought I was going to go to Tulsa for two years, go back up to Michigan, be a youth pastor, and that's it. Everyone say it doesn't make sense. That God would use some kid from Michigan to go all the way to Africa, doesn't know Swahili, doesn't know Luganda, doesn't know anyone there, but God called us and we had to obey. Abraham got a single word from God. He didn't get a paragraph. He didn't get a chapter. He didn't know the end of the story. He simply stepped out and obeyed. 
What is that single word that God has been speaking to you? What is that thing that he's been nudging maybe you to do? To sell that land, to start that cell group, to move to this job. What, what is it that he's calling or sensing in your heart for you to do? You see, what you do first will determine what God does second or what God does next. You can't get to second grade unless you go through first grade. Many of us want to know the next step, but then we haven't done the first step. So as we begin to walk in obedience, the voice of God gets stronger and stronger to us, and God begins to give us more revelation. Now, I remember my wife, she got, we, we, you know, it's hard to get shoes and certain things over in Africa, and someone sent her these shoes she was believing God for and got these beautiful shoes. And as soon as she opened the box, the Lord said to give them away. And that might be a small step, but that's a step of obedience that when we do that, then God gives us more revelation because we've done what he's asked us to do the first time. Are you with me? In Genesis 12, uh, 12, 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give you this land as far as it is to your descendants. So now God is giving him more revelation. He took that first step, and now he's saying, listen, this land will be yours. He took the first step, and now he's actually showing him the land of where the descendants will be. And after he does the first instructions, then he gets the next step. Everyone say next step. He does not get the second step until he fulfills the first step in obedience. And many times we want to figure out everything and we want to know. And I'm like, well, I don't have enough finances to go to Africa. How could me and my wife just go there? We went with two bags each and that's all we had. Remember the first time that we uh, went teaching to a discipleship class and we taught. And after a class, they gave us a chicken, a live chicken. I'm like, what am I going to do with a live chicken? And I came there on a motorcycle. They put this chicken in a a plastic bag and it was bouncing its head everywhere on the handlebars. And I bring this chicken back to Angela and she's like, what am I going to do with the chicken? See, God is calling us to step out when we don't have all the knowledge of everything. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. After we do that first step, God will give you the revelation. If God, if I knew everything that was going to happen in Africa after all these years, there's probably no way I would have done it. But I did that first step, and now God has opened up for us to have one fellowship and two fellowships. We're launching our third fellowship. Then we're going into these schools, and we're ministering to thousands of students on how to walk pure and save sex so they don't get AIDS and die and have early teen pregnancies. But that's little by little, God is giving us more revelation as we begin to step out into what he's called us to do. There was this girl named Agnes that was a part of our ministry and she would just show up at the office like, pastor, is there anything that I can do? And she would just slowly uh, sweep and clean. And I said, Aggie, why don't you, you know, go into the schools and start teaching? And then she started teaching 20 kids and then 50 kids and a hundred kids. Then she started doing about a thousand students a week. Then she came to me and said, Pastor, i got to quit. I need an internship for college. And I said, no, 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 let's pray together. And there happened to be a couple from California that started this sandal company that were making these beautiful sandals that had these ties that would go around the ankles. And I, and I knew as soon as I gave Aggie to her, I would never see Aggie again. But Aggie worked for her, and now she's their CEO. And uh, now she oversees thousands of people in, in these sandals 
because of this obedience. She was just down at Willow Creek and ministered to 5,000 people with the, uh, the leadership summit in, in Atlanta. These sandals are now in Macy's and she's meeting with governors and uh, presidents to, to give these bags away. But the small steps of obedience that she took to look after 20 kids and then 30 kids. People, they want to understand everything and they want to see the complete end. And that's not how faith works. You see, we have to step out. We have to take the first step. There were many people in the boat, but only one walked on water. Take that first step. And how we do that is we have to mix that with faith. In Hebrews 4.2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as it unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed. Everyone say mixed. Mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we can't just hear the gospel. We can't just sit in our seat. We can't sit in our homes. We have to begin to mix the faith that God has given to us because there's a gospel in us. There's the spirit of God living in us that we can share with other people so that they don't die and go to hell. T.D. Jake says that there is fruit that is at the end of the tree that is withering up and dying because people don't pick it. What is God mandating? What is he speaking to you about doing? You know, you can be praying in your prayer closet. You can go to prayer meetings. You can fast all you want, but until you take that step. Now, I'm encouraging you today to step into that next thing whenever it doesn't make sense. And most people don't step out because they don't want to be on the edge. You know, they're scared or they're fearful, number one. Number two, they've never experienced this before. Number three, maybe they stepped out and uh, they were disappointed. But God is calling us to the next thing in our life. And he wants us to move forward. He wants us to move forward. Moses was, we had the Red Sea before him. He had the Israelites behind him. God said, put the staff in and move forward. This is going over well, Jeff. Everyone say, move forward. God is asking us to move forward. You know, when I ask my kids to do something, I'm just like, Alexis, just do what your daddy said. Sometimes there's a little argument with teenagers. And you all have teenagers, you understand. But just do what your father said. And as you do that, in that obedience, you'll see God's hand. Amen? Matthew 19, 29, it says, Everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much as they did in their inheritance in eternal life. So there is a promise that if we step out, God will bless us. The next thing that I want to share about you is that God wants to make us. In Genesis, it says, I will make you into a great nation. So God is speaking to Abram here. He says, I want to make you into a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to make your name great, and I want you to be a blessing. You see, he is making us as we stepped out on the mission field. We didn't have it all together. We left when we were 23, 24 years old. No one was giving money to a bunch of 23-year-olds to go to the mission field. What are these kids going to do? They're going to be back in a year. But as we slowly were on the field, God uses the foolish things to tame the wise. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. So when we don't feel like we're qualified, when we feel like we don't have it all together, even in that, God is still qualifying us as we begin to move. As you begin to step toward that unknown, God's grace, his anointing, his power, his strength is going to come on you, and you're going to have the words and what to say when you get there. Because God doesn't, qual- God doesn't call these that are qualified, but he qualifies the people he calls. He qualifies those that he calls. You know, we had this kid named Easton that was in our ministry, and we have staff meeting every Tuesday, and we, we put a birthday, bought him a birthday cake, and there's about eight of us sitting around. We're just like, why is Easton crying? We're getting him a birthday cake. He said, Pastor, this is my first birthday cake I've ever had at 24 years old. An orphan sleeping, and then he begins to cry further, say, I've been sleeping in the church closet with all the chairs for years now, and I actually tried to take a bunch of pills and commit suicide. And here's this boy that's sharing his life because he never got a birthday cake. But Easton is now using his gift in media and he's taking photography, uh, taking pictures for us and doing graphics and doing online. But God is beginning to use what the world would say, the foolish things of the world to tame the wise. You see, God picks people that are foolish to be the kingdom builders. Men. David, the one that was on the field, all the brothers are lined up, ready to get anointed. Where's David? He's on the backside of the desert, killing the lion and the bear. The foolish things. God has called us to be obedient. Obedience is not a location, uh, but it's living by faith. Obedience is not a location, but it's living by faith. He's called us to go to the place that would be called uh, for the descendants. He's calling us for descendants, the Bible says. You know, when I'm up in Michigan on 4th of July, we look up and it was nighttime and all those stars that we saw. And the, that was a promise that Abram got, said that many will be your descendants as far as you can see with your eyes. But what if you would have stayed home and said, I'm not going? You see, there's a lot of believers out there. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus, that love Jesus, but are not a lot of disciples that will go anywhere for him. Hello, are you with me? Say amen. Let me try this side. Thank you. <laughs> there's many that, that are love Jesus, but God's called us to make disciples. Disciples will go wherever their father tells them to go. Okay. Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I wonder if that's the question. That's the question today. If the Lord spoke to you and said, Would you go? Here am I, send me. You think, the next thing that we can see about Abraham is that Abraham lived on a promise. 
In Hebrews 11, 9, it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. What is that promise? That's the promise that God gave him that we just read about to go. You see, when God gives us a word to live on, that is the promise that you can stand on. You see, me and my wife are living on a promise to go to Uganda. We are living on, when, when my daughter says, Dad, you promised me ice cream, she's holding me to that promise, right? And when God speaks to us to go to Africa, that is the promise that I'm holding on to. No matter if I'm thrown in jail like I was in Kenya, or if my kids have malaria, or if the finances aren't there, that's the promise that I'm standing on that said, God, you said to go to Uganda, and I'm doing your will here. No matter what's happening, that is what you spoke, so I will stand upon your promises. And God is faithful over and over, time and time again, whatever it takes, because that we've been standing upon not our own flesh, not our own desires, not our own will, but on the promise that God has spoken. And every one of those promises that you sit on your lap that's in the Bible is something that you can stand upon, knowing that God is unshakable and unmovable in your life. And if he's asked you to do something, he will fulfill it. See, the blessings come by faith. The just, the Bible says, shall live by faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. That is a promise that he gave to us and said, you cannot please me unless you live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We need to stretch out and we need to stretch forth into what God has called us to do. Genesis 12, 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people around you. Not to build bigger barns and have more things, but be a blessing to other people. Is God opposed to us being blessed? No, he desires that his people would prosper and to be in health. But he also desires, why are we gaining that wealth to establish the kingdom, it says in Deuteronomy. You have been given the power to get wealth to establish the kingdom of God on earth. That is our responsibility as believers. And God is not playing games in the end time. That it's heaven and hell. That we have to get to people so that they don't go to hell. You see, we had a friend, uh, we had a, a young man in our ministry named Nicholas. He, I, I learned that he would walk about an hour away to get to our classes. He said, Pastor, I came to your classes because you're white and I was seeing if I could get a bunch of money from you. He said that I found out that you gave me so much more than money. Nicholas took our discipleship classes and he's in the city taking those classes, he says, I think God is speaking to me to go back to my village six hours away where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark. And he's going to build a school there. I said, how are you going to build a school? He's like, We're, I'm using cow dung and bricks, cow dungs and, and mortar, and I'm going to put it together and make some bricks and put some thatch roof on it, and we put 150 kids in it. Because they had to walk about two hours because there was no school in their area. 
So Nicholas is living on a promise that God told him to go do, and now God is blessing these children because he went back to his village. And now he's built a second school, and now he reaches over 200 kids. But he got trained because of your faithful giving. You see, God wants to bless us. Genesis 12, 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation and bless you. Why does he want to bless us? So that we can be a blessing. Hebrews 10, 35 says that my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. God takes no pleasure in the person that shrinks back. David ran toward Goliath and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm going to cut your head off today. He ran toward the problem. He ran toward the souls. He ran toward what needed to be done. Sorry, I'm a little excited today. <laughs> Hebrews 10.35, but the righteous will live by faith. They do not shrink back, but we run toward what needs to be done in the kingdom. When the world tries to rise up with their agenda, we don't shrink back. We have a voice and we speak up. We will not let them overtake our schools. We will not allow certain things into our families and our homes. Because God has given us power and authority. God doesn't send us the provision where he was, but where he needed to be. God is sending us provision. He blesses us with these promises, but God didn't send his provision to him, but where he told him to go. You see, God told him to get up and to go to this certain land. When I'm playing football, I throw the ball toward a spot, and the receiver's job is to run and connect to that. You don't throw it to the receiver. You throw it to the open spot. And when you get to the spot, you hit that football. And wherever that spot is for you and wherever he's called you to be, you need to be at that spot. Because that's where the provision is for your life. That's where the grace is for your life. The brook uh, called Cherub was where Elijah was called. And when he got to the brook, the ravens were feeding him. But if he was overdoing his own will and his own desires and his own plan, he would have never hit the provision. He had to get to the place called there. And I don't know what that there is for you. But once you get there, the provision will be there. The ravens will feed you. Your bills will be met. Your finances will be met. The grace will be there. The joy will be there. The peace will be there. Because you, can anyone hear me today? Amen. There's a place called there for every one of you. And God wants to bless you there. I will make you into a great nation and bless you and bless your name. Oh, I love it. God wants to make your name great. Not for your own self, but for the kingdom's sake. If Abraham would have stayed where he was, he could have prayed, he could have begged. Why are you not supplying my needs? It's all over there where you're supposed to be. You can stay and you can pray and you can fast. But when are you going to take that step into the provision of what God wants you to do? We've got to do what God called us to do. To be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. What is that place for you? I don't know why the Lord has put this word in my heart to share. But some way or somehow, and you might be saying, Pastor Matt, I don't, I don't know what that word is yet. That's the time that you get into close proximity with God and you begin to spend time with him because we don't make plans, we receive plans. 
You don't make your own plans. You get into fellowship with God and he begins to whisper secrets into your ear. You begin to get the plan of God what he wants you to do or where he wants you to go. But if we're so busy and we got so many things hooked up, you're not going to hear the voice of God. But as you separate yourself, you know, uh, I think it was Moses, he pitched his tent outside the camp so he could hear the voice of God. The whole camp was there, thousands of people. He pitched his tent out so he could hear what God was saying. God wants to give you instructions. He wants to speak into your life. You know, the last thing that I simply want to share with you today is that he went in a family. This man went in a family with his servant workers, his children, but the Bible says that he came out a nation. Because of one man's obedience, he was then able to come out a nation. And thousands of people, even to this day, a direct, Jesus is a direct descendant from that line because of his obedience. And if it was worth it all just for us to go to, for Easton or, or for Agnes or for Nicholas, it was worth it all because we don't know what they could do in Africa. You know, there's a young man in our ministry named Franklin who he was playing the drums simply and... Um, he came to me, he's like, I want to go to Australia. He wanted to go get out of the country so bad. Many people are trying to get to America, get visas, get to Australia, get to England, get out of it. It's like, if everyone leaves, who's going to fix the nation? I said, stay, stay. And, he, and I, I said, I want to go to med school. I said, I believe God wants you to go to medical school here in Uganda. So he went for two years. And because of his obedience to stay there, the Lord now has, he built a whole hospital there from playing the drum kit in our fellowship to now built a hospital. He put a theater on there where people don't have to walk two hours but can deliver a baby at this hospital because of Franklin's obedience. So those are the type of lives that you're touching when you pray for missionaries and when you send missionaries overseas. You see, God has given you a certain promise, and he's speaking to you about what to do. But many people have to see a sign and a wonder to believe. If you're looking for a sign and a wonder, you, you've got to walk by faith. That's not the Bible kind of faith to see. Doubting Thomas said, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see the holes in his hand. But that's, it takes zero faith to do that. Jesus is trying to get us away from the natural human faith and into the spirit faith. This is uh, not a sense knowledge. This is not based on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can feel. Jesus wants us to have simple faith in his word. Simple faith in his word. God speaks to us three ways, and that's through the word of God that we read every day. That's through his Holy Spirit, and that's through other men and women that are on the earth that speak into our life and that can give us direction and confirm what's in our heart. So if there's something in your heart that you might be sensing a prod or a push toward, begin to feel that out with God and begin to spend time with him to assure you which way to go and what is he saying is the next season for your life. Don't remain in the same season if God is asking you to enter a new season. And we can miss those windows because we're comfortable. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me today and have Ashley come right now and just our band. And 
want to just encourage you to just shift your satellite dish to Jesus right now and lift your hands before the Lord and just see if, if he's speaking something out in your life or speaking to you or sharing something today about the next step for your life. Let's try it right now. Lift your hands. Let's not look at the worship team. Let's not worry about what they're doing. What is it that God is saying to us? What is he instructing us to do? What is he asking of us? Let's just lean into him right now. Lord, begin to speak to us, Lord. Begin to guide us. Begin to give us the new orders, Father, new direction, new callings, Father, Lord. We just thank you, Father, Lord, that you're leading us. You're guiding us, Father, Lord, that you have not left us orphan, Father, Lord, but your Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Father, Lord, that we will lay down our own desires. We'll lay down our own wants. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We worship you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We wait upon you, Heavenly Father. I hear the Lord saying that you cannot attach to something until you detach from something. Hear the Lord saying, if you let go of that thing, you can grab onto this, but you have to let go of that first. So do not be afraid. Let go of what I've told you to let go of and let me let you into the new. The man fit to the plow never looks back for now is the season. Now is the time for you to enter into that new part of your life. For the old is past and the new has come for now is a new season, a new place that you'll walk into. Even Pastor Aaron, can you come up here? just feel like I have a word for you in the church today. Can you bring your wife? Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. just feel like the Holy Spirit's giving you a word here today. That For you plowed the ground and you've done the foundation work. You built and you've began to labor together and you've done the best you can, but now is the new season that you're walking in. The doors are beginning to open, so prepare your heart and get ready for you haven't seen anything yet. For the doors will open and there will be such a harvest that you will not have room enough to receive. So begin to open up, begin to plan, to begin to uh, proceed with those plans because now is the time. For there's a plan I've given you, there's a road map I've given you, there's a blueprint I've given you. And as you begin to walk in that, you will see the provision. You'll see the harvest. Don't say it's not time yet, for now is the time to release you. Even buildings, even new places, even new establishment, even new missionaries, even new nations you'll go into. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are some of the elders around here? Can we pray for you guys with some of the elders? Do we have any elders here? Caesar, will you pray over that word for us today? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for being in our midst, all your presence is felt here. 
It's very palpable, Lord. And as you prophetically are telling us that doors are opening, Lord, we have been praying for many things, Lord, and you know our prayers and our heart, Lord, to reach the laws in Naples and beyond the four walls, Lord. So we thank you for confirmation, Lord, and we thank you that we have a body that responds to your calling, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would challenge everyone here to do their part, Lord. It's not only up to Pastor Aaron and Ginger and the elders, Lord. It takes the whole community, the whole church body, Lord, to do their part and to use the gifts, the time and treasures, Lord, that you have gifted them with. So, Lord, may you challenge us to help us grow and embrace whatever new season you have for us as a church, Lord. We thank you for your presence, oh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in our midst today, Lord. And in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's just pray and close. Father God, I do just thank you so much for the opportunity for us to gather together in this place to open up our Bibles, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for the Catanella family and for their, their conviction in following your lead to where they should go. Lord, thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come alongside and partner with them as they are reaching so many lost lives in, in Uganda. Lord, thank you. I pray that you would continue to bless them and open doors. Lord, I just thank you and pray over this fellowship here today as well, that what they heard today was inspiring and challenging. Lord, even convicting. Lord, as Matt just said, is there something that we're holding on to that is keeping us from going forward? Lord, I pray that we would not get ahead of God and go to step three or four or five, Lord, but we would look to step one, surrendering to the Lord and saying, here I am, wherever it is that you want to send me, I will go. And Lord, maybe that's Uganda. Maybe it's to our neighbor. Lord, whatever that is, Lord, let us please pray and open up our hearts to say, Lord, send me. I'm willing to be used by you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Gang, thank you, Matt and Angela. Thank you so much.